I sat down yesterday as the year of 2023 slowly crept to a close to write an article where I detailed the biggest Linux stories of the year. I do this fairly regularly because there's Linux stories and there's years, and so I therefore write an article about it. And something struck me, something wild, something ridiculous. 2023 has been the most insane, crazy, off-the-walls, bonkers year for Linux ever. I mean, I'm going to posit this ever. I don't think there's ever been a year that has been this completely crazy, just nuts, just full-on nuts. The Linux stories out of 2023, some of them I'd forgotten about as I was going through these, are just crazy. It's insane. And you know what's really nuts? You know what's, what's really, really just ridiculous? Almost every single one of these stories was broken by the Lunduke Journal. <laughs> yeah, literally, as I went through and I went through every major Linux and open source and tech publication, looking at their biggest stories, their most traffic stories, their top stories, trying to see what did I miss? What what big stories are Linuxy and out there that the Lunduke Journal didn't break? And I didn't come up with many. Uh, so buckle up, Buttercup, because we're going to go through the wildest Linux stories of 2023, which is already saying a lot, because the most boring stories of 2023 would be the wildest stories for any other year. This is insane. Uh, these, by the way, are in no particular order. I've, uh, I've written these up as an article. I'll link to this article so all of you can go see all the links and read all the stories in in full for yourself. I'm not going to go through every single one in crazy detail. We're just going to go on the high level of it. I also should do a little disclaimer here. Two of these stories veer into the political world a little bit. Um, and I, I link to the political articles for those that get very political. However, the vast majority of these stories don't touch on politics really in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's totally fine. But I wanted to warn people in case you're the type of person that likes to avoid politics, which I totally, totally appreciate. So every time there's a link in these articles, uh, for these articles, that gets a little political, I put a little warning political note next to them. All right, again, these are in no particular order. Let us begin. Let's start with Red Hat and IBM, because the big story from Red Hat and IBM this year is that there's so many stories. It is literally a full year of one disaster after another. It's crazy. So, so IBM purchased Red Hat, right, back in 2019. And since then, there have been a couple of interesting stories. There's been some cause for concern. There was some drama relating to CentOS. There's a lot of things that have happened in the years since then. But at the beginning of 2023, this year, stuff started right out of the gate. Uh, there was a huge number of layoffs. I want to say it was something like 4 or 5% of the total Red Hat uh, employee base was laid off at the beginning of 2023. Not a great way to start the year. But now some of those people were people that were like the leadership positions within Fedora. So, I mean, these are these are these are big Linux impacting layoffs here. And then they followed that up right away by stopping all support and work for LibreOffice. 
<laughs> yeah. I, now, now, Red Hat still does a ton of, of work in and around Linux on the server, on the desktop, etc. They, they do a ton and they've done a ton for years. So this isn't necessarily me dogging on them, but it is kind of a, a good sign of things to come. And it is it is yet one of many little bellwethers of Red Hat moving away from the Red Hat we've known and loved. Because then, right after they stopped supporting LibreOffice, they start they announced that they would be restricting access to the GPL source code of Red Hat Linux. You remember that? They actually announced that the source code that is released under the GPL that is predominantly written not by Red Hat employees would be restricted. <laughs> that they wouldn't be releasing it to people who had it, right? Um, because uh, they didn't want to. Now, now, was that a violation of the GPL because of how things end up working? Probably that's going to end up going to the courts in the years ahead, but just the same, it ruffled a whole heck of a lot of feathers. So all of those things combined piggybacking on the fact that in the previous years we'd had the the dumping of CentOS and all all sorts of other problems with Red Hat and there was a lot of bad feelings a lot of animosities many disasters coming out of Red Hat but then nothing could prepare us for what came in December of this year holy heavens has it been off the charts massive leaks Huge numbers of leaks came out, not just uh, from the Lunduke Journal, but from other outlets as well, that showed huge, huge racist and discriminatory policies for Red Hat's hiring and firing, and for Red Hat's uh, 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 promotion programs, and for internal training and presentation systems and everything. Huge, huge amounts of leaks coming out. There's already been... Uh, uh, legal actions that have been starting to be taken based on all these leaks. And they, they keep coming out. A whole bunch of them came out just from the Lunduke Journal. Uh, in fact, the majority of the leaks that have happened now from IBM and Red Hat have happened from the Lunduke Journal. And it is just, it is just off the charts. This is, this is <clears throat> I think, the biggest story coming out of 2023 that impacts Linux, because Red Hat is the biggest company relating to Linux. There's no doubt about that. And Red Hat contributes a huge amount, not just to the Linux kernel, but to Linux desktop programs, uh, to to various ancillary and, and side projects. It is just a massively important company as far as Linux is concerned. And now they're going to be having to deal with right after having huge PR blunders and massive layoffs relating to Linux, a huge amount of backlash, not just in terms of legal action that's going to be coming against IBM and Red Hat because of their discriminatory and racist practices, which are just off the charts. I mean, it's not even it's not even something that people who are being rational can disagree with, no matter what your politics are. I mean, uh, Red, Red Hat and, and IBM have just stated basically flat out that they are racist and they are going to do racist things and it's going to impact people's livelihoods. And it's, it's, it's just off the charts. So what is that going to do for, for the company and for, for their support of Linux? Who knows? But on top of that, on top of that, what does that do for the market in general? When people see those things happening and become 
disillusioned, disgruntled, and whatnot, with what was, up until then, a very safe bet in the Linux world. Something that you could say, I'm going to use Red Hat Enterprise Linux within my company, I'm probably not going to be fired for that. There's the old adage, nobody got fired for using IBM, right? Those those sorts of things were, were said for a reason, because within large corporations, you can make a safe bet on a tried and true system, right? And so in, in their given moments of time, those sorts of companies, those safe companies to use, were a very important one for any given type of technology. And for Linux, Red Hat was that, right? You don't get fired for using Red Hat Linux. Well, now, what does all of these leaks, these massive, massive leaks, what do they point to in terms of future adoption of Red Hat within small, medium, and large-sized businesses going forward? I don't know. I don't know the answer to any of that, but it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge in 2024. And mark my words, this is going to, at some point over the next couple of months, begin to really dominate the tech news cycle. I mean, sure, at this point, you're only getting this news from the Lunduke Journal. But that's the way with things. You, you get the, your news first from the Lunduke Journal, and then several months later, the rest of the tech... <laughs> journalist industry catches on um let, let's move on to another company that that oh my gosh <clears throat> oh my gosh has just imploded over this last year and this is kind of a personal one for me because i worked at this company for several years in their marketing department and i'm talking about Sousa. Sousa and open Sousa. i really kind of lumped this story all in together because like red hat they have had just a terrible, terrible, no good, very bad year. It has been one thing after another. So the first thing that really happened, that really hit them, was back in March, their CEO got fired. We think. We don't know for sure that she got fired, but she was no longer with the company, effective immediately, uh, out of the office, not even any goodbye letter. <laughs> gone. I, I don't know about you, but that's that sounds an awful lot like a firing to me. And we didn't get a whole lot of details around it. All we knew was it was unexpected and they didn't have another CEO ready to go right then. A few months later, they instituted another CEO that they'd hired, but they had to get him ready and whatnot. But but there was a couple months where, you know, we just kind of had an interim CEO of Sousa sort of a situation. Then as the months went on, we found out some some background behind all of it. Apparently, Sousa had been making some, quote, risky deals for the whole company leading up to the termination of that CEO back in March. And, and apparently, they'd even instituted an entire group, like a desk, a board, that had to approve risky deals. And apparently, the CEO bypassed that 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 uh, the risky deals desk, I think they called it, in order to push deals through in order to kind of force the corporate numbers to be to be higher than they otherwise would have been. And apparently these were some pretty doggone risky deals. I, I outlined some of it in uh, in the articles there. You can go go read all the details on it which really calls into question the financial performance of Sousa over the previous couple of years leading up to that point. Like they might not, it might not have been as good as it looked. Well, then as the, as the months went on, 2023 got worse for Sousa because they got delisted entirely from the German stock, stock exchange. 
So they're they're no longer a publicly traded company. Remember all the fanfare around that just a couple years back? Oh, it's so exciting. Sousa is a publicly traded company. Not anymore. It went bad. <clears throat> not only was it was its IPO not exactly a success. It wasn't a total disaster, but it was not good, right? People would you would lose money on it. But now it was delisted entirely. Oh, not a good year. When your CEO gets canned, you've got no replacement CEO. News breaks from the Associated Press, no less. The AP actually broke that particular story. Um, No one else in the tech industry really ran with it except for the London Journal. But the AP broke this story about about how Suzo had all these risky business practices. And and then you get delisted and you, you delist yourself essentially from the stock exchange. Oh, man, this is bad. It's a bad year. But then the community side of Sousa just makes catastrophic mistakes. Multiple of them. The, the, the two biggest. The two biggest. And again, this gets a tiny bit political for the first one. The first one is that they went out and they made a public declaration on their mailing lists and whatnot that essentially people of a particular political persuasion that makes up roughly half the U.S. population was, and I quote you on this, this is literally their quote, rotten flesh that needs to be cut out. And that they that those people of, of, of that particular political persuasion would not be welcome within the product, within the project at all. Um, <clears throat> holy heavens. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not going to make any judgments here today on the Lunduke Journal about someone having one political persuasion or another. I have friends on all spectrums of every political persuasion. Some of my friends and I disagree extremely strongly, but we can still be friends and still be good people to each other. But what Open Sousa did is they said, you know what? We're a predominantly corporate Linux distribution, right? That is that is essentially supported by Sousa, a company that is just imploding on itself. And we're going to not just alienate half of our potential user base and, and project contributors. We're going to out and out say that we're going to vilify them and tell them that they can't be here. We're going to call them rotten flesh. Oh, and this was repeated multiple times by board members, by past chairmen of the boards, by, I mean, essentially the whole gosh darn power structure of OpenSUSE was like, yep, that's the way we're going. Like, oh, dang. Maybe it's just me, but I'm a big fan of keeping politics and tech separate as much as possible, right? Like here at the Lunduke Journal, when we have to report on it, we report on it. But you'll notice I'm not talking about who's right and who's wrong in terms of politics here. I'm just talking about how a tech company handles politics because it it has to be discussed because it has such a profound impact on the tech. So I have links to the articles that I've written about that. But the fair warning, they get very political because... I have opinions and they have opinions and I'm quoting people who have opinions. And so there's just lots of political thoughts all throughout it. So only click that link if you want to get political. But then OpenSUSE just does something stupid. They have within OpenSUSE a, a beautiful, amazing mascot, a long standing beloved chameleon 
that those little green chameleons, man, you go to Linux conferences and you bring those flesh, those pluff, <laughs> bleh, those plushy green chameleon, chameleon, words are hard, man. Have you tried to say words recently? It's terrible. Oh my gosh. I got to make sure I get a job where I don't have to say words. Those plushy green chameleons, nailed it with you. You can just toss those out and people will go crazy for them at conferences. I used to bring boxes of literally hundreds of those things with me to shows and I had people jumping up and down wanting them because everyone wants those. It's like Tux the Penguin. You get a, you get a Tux the Penguin and you get the Geeko, the, the plushy green chameleon and it's just it's great to have those, those operating system and software mascots. It's fun. It's tons of fun. They've had it for a long time and it's recognizable. So what did they do? Well, as they were alienating half of their, their, their contributors and banning them, by the way, literally banning them from mailing lists, they, they, if they found out the political affiliation of people, they just straight up banned them if they were the wrong political affiliation. They just couldn't be involved anymore. It's crazy, um, including past board members. It's nuts. While they were imploding... They, they announced that they were going to change their mascot and their logo. They were going to change the whole thing. And they put up a big vote of a bunch of random options for the new logo. And they were just hideous as all get out. <laughs> so what did they do? They took the one thing that was going good for them. And they chucked it into the toilet. And they somehow just filled the toilet with napalm and lit it on fire. So that's how things are going at Sousa and Open Sousa in 2023. Oh, 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 let's talk about Ubuntu for a second. Ubuntu, and this is crazy. I don't have any crazy gossip here. Uh, Canonical and Ubuntu are not, you know, steering their ship off of the edge of a, of, a, of a waterfall or into a giant volcano or something right here, but they are making some really significant technological changes to Ubuntu next year, and they've announced it this year. They've been working towards it, and so I want to talk about that a little bit. They are changing Ubuntu to become 100% based around snappy packaging. So snap packaging, and it's going to be immutable. Now, the first release of that new system is supposed to be happening in April of 2024. <clears throat> and it will be optional at that point. What happens after that is anybody's guess. It kind of depends on the on, on how it's received and how buggy or bug-free that release is, but it's entirely possible that we could have that as the default Ubuntu maybe sometime in late 2024, maybe for the 24.10 uh, release. It's entirely possible. We'll see. But it's definitely moving that way in 2024, and that is going to have a really big impact on adoption of Ubuntu, both in good and bad, because a lot of people love having an immutable distro. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people love Snappy and a lot of people hate it. It's going to cause some churn and what impact that is going to have on other distributions. I'm going to be curious, but I think this is going to have a really big impact in the coming year. Normally, <laughs> normally this, this announcement right here would be the biggest news of the year. Because it's such a, it's a massive distribution, it's super popular, and it's a huge technological change. But what's crazy is, this is one of the lesser stories this year. When you've got SUSE and OpenSUSE and Red Hat and IBM just exploding in insanity, utter craziness, stuff that you couldn't have even predicted a couple years ago, this story gets kind of swept under the rug, and that's crazy. And here's another story that is truly wild 
And and I feel like just just we brushed by it way too quickly. The Gnome Project, the Gnome Foundation, is now run by a professional shaman. And I... <laughs> I would like to I would like to bring some attention to this again because it's hilarious. It is incredibly weird and incredibly funny that this happened. So in October of this year, the Gnome Foundation hired a new executive director. The role had been empty for a little while. They needed a new executive director. They found one that they liked, right? No problem. I'm not a member of Gnome. I like Gnome and the work that they do. I've talked about the Gnome Foundation's uh, finances in the past and how it's really quite transparent. And, and whenever I, I harp on the, the strange finances of, of people like the Linux Foundation or Mozilla or Wikimedia, who legitimately have some weird issues with their financing, I like to point at Gnome as a great example of being transparent with with the people that donate to them. When you donate to Gnome, you know exactly what your money is going towards and it's essentially going towards Gnome. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it, it makes a lot of sense. And so I've given them mad props and kudos because they've deserved it. So I I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt here and say that when they sought out their new executive director that they found the right person. So I, and I hope that remains true. We, we don't know yet. Because their new executive director has been almost completely silent. So, but what who they hired was a professional shaman. Now, and I, I don't say that as I'm judging her. I say that as that's who she says she is. And, and when you look online for information about her, and again, I've got links to all this stuff here. What she has over the last several years said that she is as a person, as a profession, as her job, she is a professional shaman. Um, uh, and, and it's it's very fascinating because her her career is doing things like group shamanic energy clearing and she creates and sells shaman water and she 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 does training like you can hire her to train you on how to be a professional shaman right now it's not a religious thing she just has claimed the title of shaman like she doesn't she she, she didn't come from a a background or a culture that had shamans she just felt like and she she describes this in some of her essays where she was trying to decide what she was and the best word felt like shaman so she called herself a professional shaman right and she did all these things and and she does uh she she used to do these online live streaming facebook live shamanic cleansings and whatnot and uh and that's fine you know what that's fine it's just funny at that point that gnome has hired a shaman because gnome is, is already a little bit um mythological in their designs right like they they're they're the gnome project they have the the footprint of a gnome as their logo and now they're run by a shaman it's becoming very dnd like right <laughs> so uh but the weird part was i mean beyond that that once they hired the new shaman and i had a good chuckle about it immediately both the new gnome executive director shaman and the gnome foundation itself began to actively censor anyone that mentioned the word shaman 
Uh, they, 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 they started deleting all of her past shaman websites. They took down her shaman stuff off of Facebook. Um, they, they left up at least for, at least last I checked a lot of her videos on YouTube. So you can still find those, but it was, it was amazing that they really, they were not willing to let people ask them questions about their new executive director's past experience as a shaman, which is, yeah, you can't do that to people. You can't say, by the way, our new executive is a shaman. We will not take questions, and anyone who asks me questions with the word shaman and it will be immediately banned and no longer allowed to take to, to ask us questions. Like that, you can't do that. <laughs> it's too, it's too juicy. I mean, and it's totally okay if, if the Gnome Foundation had come out and said, yeah, yeah, she's a professional shaman, but she also has a ton of other experience, um, which she does. Um, and, and and I don't I don't know if, it, if it's necessarily the best experience, but she has some other experience, and she could also they could also point to it and say, you know what? And we love that she's a shaman. Uh, we love that she declares herself a professional shaman. We could use some shamanic energy in the Gnome Project. I'd be like, you know what? Okay, cool. That's what you guys want. Rock and roll. Let's see how it works out, <laughs> right? It, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for them. I, I'm, I'm willing to rock with it. But that's not what they did. They immediately started shaman shaming, <laughs> for lack of a better term. They started shaming the shaman and started making it so that you couldn't even talk about shaman because shaman was apparently then a bad word. And that's where it's remained. There was one single live streamed event um, that the Gnome Foundation held where they allowed uh, people to come and ask questions. I signed up for it and was immediately booted out of it. <laughs> so I never got to watch it. They stated that they were going to record it and post publicly so everyone could see the Q&A with their new executive director. Um, but they never did. Um, and that has been the only public presentation that has been the only real statement of any kind. There was like a couple of paragraph. I'm hi, I'm the new executive director. I'll talk to you guys soon. Sort of a statement early on. And for the last few months, it's been complete radio silence. So we have no idea if it's going good, if it's going bad, if she's still even the executive director, because we haven't heard a darn thing. So here we are, and Gnome is being run by a professional shaman. That's a weird story. That's just a weird story. Uh, good or bad, it doesn't even matter. Honestly, it's whimsical. It, it makes me happy that this is happening. As far as I'm concerned, every Linux and open source project should be run by something, someone whimsical, right? Like someone, let's say someone's a paladin. Or I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm a rogue cleric or whatever. I want people to have some fun and have a good time. And, uh, and this is, this certainly is that, um, all right. Uh, oh, oh, GitHub, GitHub, a brief mention here because it's ridiculous. GitHub is now going to be an AI platform. Right. So GitHub came out and I linked to the story here. GitHub came out and announced that uh, they're like, hey, I'm the I'm the president of GitHub. You know how when we first started, we based everything on Git and then we 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 branded ourselves and built ourselves around Git. Well, that was great. But now GitHub is going to rebrand ourselves around the co-pilot AI system. They're, they're going to retool everything. The website, the command line tools are all going to be AI now. Everything is going to be AI at GitHub. <laughs> now, what does that mean? 
I don't know. <laughs> it's just funny and weird. Like, I, it's not even a matter of me being for or against AI. It's just me wondering why a source control tool would need literally every way you interact with it to be an AI chatbot. <laughs> and that's what it is. That's what they're, they're retooling everything. So it's going to write code for you using their AI chatbot code writing system. Uh, you're going to check in and check out using an AI chatbot, both in the command line, the website, the GUI interface, everything. AI chatbots. Totally weird. Now, maybe, maybe all the Linux and open source projects that are hosted on GitHub will be fine with that. And maybe it will have no positive or negative impact. I don't know. Maybe they'll all move to another uh, different, you know, GitLab or, or some other uh, source control system. Maybe. I can see a lot, of, a lot of projects doing that. So it doesn't really, like, there's a lot of alternatives, and there's a lot of possibilities that it may not be that bad or it could be horrible and catastrophic. Who knows? But at the end of the day, it's just so fundamentally weird, and so many Linux and open source projects are hosted on GitHub that I, I have to mention it because it was weird. All right, that brings us to the last story here, and that is the Linux Foundation. This one is strange. So in 2022, I'm walk you through this here. In 2022, this was last year, last December, the Linux Foundation published their annual report for last year. And when they did that, we learned that the foundation itself had reduced the spending on Linux to 3.2% of their overall revenue, right? So 3.2% of their spending went towards stuff that's related to the Linux kernel. Okay. Now, as the year 2023 went on, a, a bit of news came out that the Linux Foundation and the Linux kernel maintainers... <coughs> excuse me, the Linux kernel maintainers were going to be dropping long-term support versions of the Linux kernel. Now, there's some, uh, there's some ups and downs here, and there's some, there's some other ways to look at it because there are other ways to obtain versions of the Linux kernel that have some level of longer-term support, but those long-term support versions of the Linux kernel were actively used by Debian and, and many, many other projects and many companies but they were going to be dropping them. And the reasons given were many and varied, um, but what it really all boiled down to was, was time and energy and money that, that really needed to be spent elsewhere, right? So I made the point back when this was happening that this seemed like because the, the Linux Foundation had continued to decrease their spending on Linux and they were now dropping various parts of Linux kernel support that it seemed like the Linux Foundation was kind of withdrawing from the Linux side of things to focus elsewhere. And I pointed to all the other projects that they put money into, right? Like the artificial intelligence and Bitcoin and vaccine passports and so many different things that they, they spent more money on than the Linux kernel itself. The backlash from that was almost instantaneous. Uh, Greg Crowe Hartman and a few other Linux kernel maintainers made statements that was just, just lambasting me, right? Saying, no, I was way off target. And one of the things that they said I was way off target for was that while sure it was true that maybe the total percentage of Linux Foundation spending on the Linux kernel had gone down, that the total amount had actually gone up. 
right? And the idea being that so much more money had come into the Linux Foundation that even though they'd put more money into the Linux kernel, the percentage had gone down, right? That was, that was the retort that they gave to me. And I said, okay, well, we'll see if that holds true. You know, what else can I say? I don't have the numbers for 2023. So as they're dropping support for various aspects of long-term support and in the Linux kernel, does that mean that they're increasing or decreasing the total dollars spent on Linux kernel support and development? I don't know the answer to that. So we'll just have to wait and see. So I bit my lip. I went quiet about it for a couple of months as as Greg Crow Hartman and multiple other uh, other people in and around the Linux Foundation just kind of dogged on me for a while. And then right during the holidays when nobody's looking but me, the Linux Foundation drops their 2023 annual report and lo and behold, they not only in this year, the same year that they dropped support for long-term support of the Linux kernel, did they drop their percentage spend of the, of the Linux kernel even further down to just 2%, but the total dollar amount dropped as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, I nailed it. Again, <laughs> it seems like every time, every time I say something, I make a point based on IRS filings and annual reports and insider information, people yell and scream, Lunduk, Lunduk, you're, you're wrong about this. You're basing this on made-up data, Lunduk. And then I wait just a few months, and every single time I'm proven right. <laughs> So here we are at the end of 2023, and the Linux Foundation is continuing to ramp up. I, I think they're at 12% of their total revenue is spent on artificial intelligence. I want to say 4% is spent on blockchains. Uh, there's a ton of other projects. Some of them are Linux adjacent. Some of them touch on Linux or use Linux in some way. Uh, some of them have absolutely nothing to do with Linux at all. Um, but the Linux kernel part of the Linux Foundation, which is what the Linux Foundation was truly built for, uh, is, is dropping dramatically, both in terms of percentage and dollars spent and in terms of actual features, like like having the long-term support Linux kernel. Um, so yeah, what does that mean going forward? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I would like to think, my personal hope is that me harping on them will cause them to reevaluate the way they're spending things as they look ahead to 2024. I would love if December of 2024, one year from now, I could sit down and write a story that says, whoa, the Linux Foundation just increased their total spend to 4% of their revenue on the Linux kernel. Kudos. That, that's excellent. And then it has resulted in X, Y, and Z improvements and the reinstitution of long-term support kernels and blah, 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 blah. I would love that. That would be so awesome, right? Because first and foremost, I and I think all of you, we're nerds. As much as... as is seeing companies and foundations do horrible things like the Linux Foundation, what happened to them this year? And oh my heavens, with SUSE and Red Hat and IBM, I mean, it's terrible. And it makes it very, 
it makes for very good clickable articles and shows and whatnot and it gets me a lot of press attention and it brings a lot of new subscribers to the Lunduke journal and that's obviously you know what that's good for my business because the the more crazy off the wall things these companies do well i'm going to continue covering it but what i would really like i would like to just write glowing articles not puff pieces but articles that are i'm where i am genuinely impressed with what they're doing Sort of like when I write an article where I analyze the Gnome Foundation's finances. The last time I did that, I was impressed. I think I think the article headline was something like the incredibly boring finances of the Gnome Foundation. And that's a good thing. Like, like, again, did that article get a ton of press? No. Did that article get get rise to the top of of Hacker News and various subreddits? No, no. Did it get shared a thousand times on Twitter? No, no. Do the the articles where I talk about the insanity at Red Hat get shared all over the place and viewed a bazillion times? Oh, yeah. How about the ones from Mozilla and Wikimedia? Oh, you better believe it. I want to say the Wikimedia one that created that created tweets and 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 alter extra headlines and whatnot that's got viewed what? 14, 15 million some odd times. It's crazy. It's all over the place. But what I'd love is to just say things are wonderful. <laughs> and here's the wonderful nerdy things. But I'm going to tell you straight up right now, uh, as I'm looking ahead to 2024, it's going to get weirder. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you or I can have, any, have anything to do about it. It's going to get weirder. I mean, look at the crazy changes in 2023, the technological changes. Look at what's happening with Ubuntu. Oh, my word. And, and the, the, the changes with uh, the source control availability from Red Hat is causing massive business and technological changes, right? Significant ones. Huge corporate disasters at some of the biggest companies in the Linux world right now. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And I already know, because I, because I know, <laughs> that there is more leaks coming from other companies in the Linux and tech world over the next couple of days and weeks. Right? So 2023 is ending, and the whole thing with all the leaks from Red Hat and IBM, that's not even done yet. We're still in the middle of that. I mean, heck, if I'm being honest with you. That's just getting started. It's going to keep getting more weird and more intense and more crazy. And the ramifications are going to get more significant. And throughout all of this, we're seeing significant drops in Linux and open source investments. I mean, that's a huge deal with Red Hat is dropping their Linux support significantly this year, significantly in so many ways. And with all the craziness that's happening, what does that mean for 2024's Linux investment? It could go a lot of different ways. I'd love to be pleasantly surprised, but I have my doubts. Also, also, we have shamans running things now. <laughs> we literally have major Linux foundations being run by shamans. What does that mean for 2024? I don't know, but it's crazy. It's chaos. It's wild. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. I don't know what to think. But 2023 was the craziest year that I've seen since I started covering Linux, which has been a long time now. 
a long, long time. We're closing in on almost two decades here. And it's it's just crazy, crazy, crazy. And I think 2024 is going to turn it up to 11. I think we're going to spinal tap the heck out of 2024. I would be surprised if we got through the first three months of 2024 and we, we weren't already convinced that it was the most insane year ever in terms of Linux, Linux companies, Linux projects, Linux business, just Linux insanity. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts. I, I would like to take this moment. I would like to take a brief moment to pat myself on the back. <laughs> I just, I, I, I feel like I've earned it. I've earned this pat on the back. I'm going to just take a brief moment here. Because as we go through all of these crazy stories, I noticed I broke almost all of them. And in fact, in some of them, most of the Linux and tech world are still refusing to cover them. And there's the biggest stories. And, and I know they're huge because I've seen the numbers of what gets shared and, and what gets clicked on and what rises to the top over here. I'm watching. I know what stories are performing well. I know how many people are clicking on things. And I'm going to say, without a doubt, the stories that I just listed are the biggest, most impactful ones of the year. There's other stories, sure, but these are the big ones. These are the crazy ones, the round pegs, the misfits, etc., etc., etc. And the Lunduk Journal broke them all. Not all of them, most of them. And we're, that, that's going to keep going. We're just getting started here. And I want to say flat out thank you. Because this would absolutely not be possible if the Lunduk Journal weren't supported entirely by all of you. It would not be possible. If I were just like every other major tech publication out there where I was predominantly supported by ads or sponsorships, I would have had to pull a lot of these stories. I would have had to pull my punches. I would have had to keep some of these details out, even if I covered some of them. But Red Hat, I mean, look at, look at the names here. Over this year, I mean, this doesn't even include the, the crazy stuff I've covered on Wikimedia and Mozilla and so many others, but GitHub and Microsoft, the Linux Foundation, GNOME, Ubuntu and Canonical, SUSE and OpenSUSE, Fedora, Red Hat, IBM. I mean, these are... These are some of the biggest advertisers for Linux publications. And a Linux publication that makes all these advertisers mad by telling the truth, by, by sharing information provided from whistleblowers, by co from confidential whistleblowers within the companies, you can't exist. I would be out of business if I was a marketing-driven company. If I ran ads and that's how I put food on the table, I would be out of business right now because Red Hat and IBM and Microsoft and everyone else would have all pulled their ads. It would have been nuts. And all of the, all of the major tech publications, even the ones that have like some sort of a subscription system or whatnot, they all are predominantly supported by ads or running articles that are essentially ads, but they pretend to be articles. It's true. None of them are able. They are simply not able to tackle the stories. It's not, it's not doable. Where, where's, where's that tell at? These are the, these are wild stories.
And these are important stories because not only, no, okay, to be fair, the whole, the whole gnome shaman thing, that's probably in the end of the end of things, not all that important. <laughs> maybe the, maybe their executive director will do well. Maybe the gnome executive director won't do well, but the fact that that person is also a shaman is more whimsical and fun than anything else. That really probably doesn't have all that much to do with the person, person's performance. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. But the other stories, massive, massive impact across the board. I think if you look at all these stories, the only story that I'm talking about here that the other outlets have picked up on is the fact that Ubuntu is moving over to an immutable base and going 100% snappy packaging. That is the only story of the craziest stories of the year that the other outlets are actually covering. And again, it is entirely because of all of you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I, I could not do this without you. And that's not some sort of weird platitude. It's just practicality. It would not be possible without every single one of you contributing and, and becoming a, 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 a subscriber. Not possible. So for those of you who haven't yet, do it. <laughs> do it. You want more of this. You know you do. And those of you who already are, high-five yourself. Because you made every single one of these stories possible. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of these stories are going to have a gigantic impact on the year ahead. Because they already are making a profound impact right now inside some of these companies. And we'll have a lot more information on that in the days ahead. So thank you, everyone. Uh, it has been a great 2023. It's been great for the Lunduke Journal. It's been a lot of fun for Linux. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun for tech in general. But man, has it been a wild, wild ride for Linux. And I hope you all stay tuned and buckle yourselves up because this is going to be a great year ahead. So thank you to everyone. Go grab yourself a subscription. Go to lunduke.locals.com or go to lunduke.com. There's all the details there. Grab your subscription, by the way, before January 1st. On January 1st of 2024, I'm increasing the subscription price to match inflation. Um, so if you want to get locked in at the lower price for a monthly, yearly, uh, lifetime subscription, any of it, go do it now before New Year's Eve. When the clock strikes midnight on New Year's Eve and it becomes January 1st, I'm going to be going into every system I have and incrementing all of the different subscription prices just a little bit. But if you've already got a subscription, you're locked in you get the lower price. Now, if you want to wait until January 1st, like around lunchtime, and then get a subscription and pay me more money, that's totally fine with me. <laughs> but if you want to save a couple of bucks, um, and in the long term, save quite a bit, actually, I recommend you go grab it now. Support this work. Support literally the only really independent tech publication out there at this point. No one's doing this stuff, baby. <laughs> feels good baby 2024 is gonna be fun all right everybody i love you all you are all the most fantastic nerds on this green earth or any other earth for that matter and with that ladies and gentlemen boys and girls nerds and nerdettes i do declare end broadcast <laughs>